0: If there's ever a time to take a detour, it's when you see a superstar. It's the Kimology 411 Superstar segment where Kim introduces you to awesome people and their amazing stories. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our latest superstar guest, along with our very own superstar, Kim Show.
1: and welcome to another episode of Cumology Four One One. And today we're doing another superstar segment with my friend Dan Ryder. Hey, Dan, how are you?
0: What's up? How you doing, Kim?
1: Oh, I am doing awesome. I um, I follow you on Facebook um, with all of your airplane stuff, and so just to let my fans know, um, Dan likes airplanes. He likes to fly. <laughs>
0: And they
1: they know I like to fly, but I fly in a different way. I fly on Southwest.
0: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Cool.
1: So anyway, I think it was probably about five years ago or so when we actually met. Uh, We have a mutual friend, um, Brooks, who um, you and him were putting on an air show in Topeka. And it was probably like on a Sunday before your event. Brooks contacted me and said, "Hey, I have a little favor to ask you," and I was like, "What?" Yeah. He's, um, I've got like a three to four day event. I'm not exact. Can't remember what how many days it was. It's a Thursday to Sunday or Friday to set, Sunday, but, and we have a few hundred people that we need to feed breakfast, lunch, and dinner to, and I'm yeah. going to just go to Sam's and just buy some snacky food, and then we thought maybe we probably should have some real food and. Within the next three days, I set up an entire catering with our staff at the restaurant to provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so that's kind of how I got pushed in to the group that I got to meet over at the air show. Which that's not even my job. (laughs) Yeah. But we. Yeah.
0: Now you, uh, you saved the bacon on on that for sure. Brooks and I were a little bit. Short on planning and uh, the food thing we had we thought we had it figured out via a different thing, and that got messed up at the end. but uh, you and your staff came through and, and fed two hundred and fifty people for three days, and uh, it was totally awesome
1: oh well I, I, well I had a great time. I love those kind of things. I would rather cater or work an air show than like go to one i 'm just a worker yeah. like I think it's awesome to yeah. be behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, well, you did a great job, but uh, we didn't have any complaints on food or beer. That was that was totally awesome.
1: <laughs> and those are the most important things that people will complain about.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: So awesome. So from there, let's let's get into a little bit about like um, what you do. What do you do for a living currently?
0: Well, I'm retired from Delta Airlines, and I've been a flight instructor for forty years. So I I mostly just play with airplanes. I'm a 1099 contract pilot for a whole bunch of different people. So I just fly whatever airplane. I happen to be sitting up in Oshkosh today. I brought a DC-3 up here yesterday and flying another one out tomorrow, most likely. And I just uh, go from airport to airport. I may fly as many as 50 different airplanes per year. Uh, Most of them I've never seen before. and Most of them I'll never see them again. So I just – hop in it, it out what it is, and it could be anything from jets, turboprops, uh, really really any kind of airplane that, that needs moved. Or sometimes people need flight instructions, so I'll uh, help somebody that maybe just bought a new airplane or bought a Warbird and they need three days' worth of training, so that kind of stuff.
1: Awesome. And what? how did you decide that you wanted to become a pilot? Like, was there something that you'd like to – fly? Was our story?
0: No, not really, other than the fact that growing up, we lived kind of underneath the traffic pattern for an airport. And uh, growing up, I was just always fascinated with it. So um, I started saving my lawn mowing money when I was 15 years old and started buying a flight lesson, which in those days, uh, a complete flight lesson for the airplane, the gas and the instructor and everything was $26 for one hour of flying. So I would save up, you know, lawns were about two dollars, maybe three dollars a piece. So it took me twelve or thirteen lawns to save up for one hour's worth of flying. So I just started doing that.
1: Oh my goodness. See now that's kinda cool because I mean you've already you already had like a goal as opposed to being the next pair of tennis shoes or the next piece of candy. You are just you are set to achieve something awesome.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I I did not have it as a goal. I just knew that I liked it, so I didn't have any goal of, like, becoming a pilot. I just knew that instead of blowing money on stupid stuff, I thought it was really awesome to be able to ride my bike to the airport, and I literally laid my $26 down on the counter in $1 bills. And uh, I did not have a goal. I just knew that I really liked it. And every time I took a flying lesson, I'd go home and cut more grass.
1: Wow. And, you know, so a lot of times, and you said it was at 15, Is that but 15 years old, a lot of kids are still like, mom, this is what I want to do. Mom, this is what I want to do. And then mom and dad pay for it. Do you see a difference of of them going, yeah, here's the $26 as opposed to you earning it yourself? Did did that make a difference you think in your mind?
0: I think it did. And I think it still does today. That's a fine balance that any parent crosses on providing versus over providing for a kid and in my case I didn't really have any choice because we we didn't have any money so uh, our family was not dirt poor but we were not wealthy so the the notion of flying lessons was you know there was three kids in our family and we had shoes and clothes and bread and milk but spending 20, you know, back then $26 was a lot of money. Yeah. That's, that's like $200 today. Right. So uh, it, it was a big deal, but I think there is a big difference. And the fact that it was not attainable uh, and caused me to have to be creative on, you know, if it takes $26 to, to go fly, how can I get $26 and, you know, cutting grass? Well, I had paper outs and, you know, fruit stands and anything I could do as an entrepreneur in those days, uh, all tax free, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, just collecting cash in the form of $1 bills until I had my little pile built up and, uh, I'd ride my bike out and lay my money back on the counter again.
1: I, um, my, I, (laughs) so I was quite the entrepreneur when it came to, um, (laughs) money except my entrepreneurship came from I was the only one with a car and so when they got in my car they had to hand me gas money to do it well my mom had already given me gas money to fill up the tank so I charged all my friends gas money and then I would just go deposit that money into my savings account yeah like $7 at a time, like, here's $5, $7. And so one day, uh, my dad was in my car do, fixing something and he found my savings account book. And that's back in the day, there used to be a pass book. And so like, they, that. they would write on it, be like $7, or whatever. And then it would give you the balance of how much money, kind yeah. of like a register. Yeah. And I came home from school one day and my dad had this, my book was laying on the table and I didn't think anything of it. And they sat down with me. <laughs> And they were like, What are you doing for all of this money? Like, where's this money coming from? Because i just yeah. went to school and I think they thought I was doing illegal stuff. And I'm like, That's gas money that people pay me. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm a service. <laughs> and they were like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And my friends still talk to me about that. I'm like, um, I'm just, I need a dollar. And back then, gas was 29 cents a gallon. So. Right, right. <laughs>
0: Well, you've always been a little bit of an entrepreneur from what I know of you. You've you've always figured a way to uh, find find some way to make a buck on something. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, My friends still always, when they get in my car, they're like, do we have to pay you for gas? (laughs) Yeah. No, it's okay. But, yeah, so I think back at, at, at entrepreneurs now, I think we've always been entrepreneurs our whole entire life, coming up with how things work. Um, and so I think that's awesome. And so you said you worked at Delta. So that was just flying passengers, or
0: yeah, yeah, just just Delta pilot. So I did I did that. Flew almost twenty years uh, and retired as a captain. Uh, and uh, now I I just uh, mostly play with airplanes and uh, do a lot of DC three stuff. Still do some Warbird stuff and miscellaneous airplanes. So uh, it's, you know, I've had a pilot's license now for a little over 40 years. So I've, I've got a little bit of experience in a lot of different types of airplanes. So.
1: Right. And so I've noticed on there, are you have, do you have two sons? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to remember. Is it one, two? I, I remember that you have as at least one son because doesn't he fly?
0: Yeah. Uh- both kids fly. My older son just graduated from college and he's now a jet co-pilot. Uh, actually, he's just upgraded. He's a jet captain now. Uh, in fact, ironically, he texted me last night, needs a pair of captain bars for his uniform oh. and the uniform store is closed. So wanted to know if I had a pair of captain's bars and he's he's now flying captain on a jet that I'm only co-pilot rated on, which is totally hurts my feelings of my own kid. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working for my own kid. If if we flew together, he'd be left seat, and I would be putting the gear up and down for him. Crazy.
1: And I bet he loves that,
0: though. Oh, he loves it. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah, two sons, Dylan and Drew. Uh, Dylan is a junior in college, and he also flies. And then Drew is a graduate, University of Georgia, and he's out uh, flying the the charter business. He's a charter pilot, so the charter business has been extremely Busy in this COVID season here. So uh, he's been flying a lot.
1: I, now I've flown, I have flown once during this. I went um, my one trip in May, which is my Dallas trip, got moved to June because May, it was still just kind of up in the air for Dallas and my friends um, because they've got their 90 year old grandma that, that lives with them. And so I moved it to June or whatever. And I, like I said, I have Southwest cards, so I do my Southwest points and and fly down on um, my Southwest. And I just had, I had a, I had a great time with only ninety people on the plane. Yeah. And I I was like, I don't know how the the airlines are gonna make it through this, um, because nobody here. But the 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 flight was good. I mean, there's no snack. I mean, they gave snacks. Yeah. Can of water. Um, so it's yeah. a little bit different, but you have to be kind of flexible during this yeah. stuff. I, 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 love to, I love to fly to my, I love to fly to my destination and just get there so I can start what I'm doing. And, um, I had to cancel my Florida trip, which made me sad, but we drove to Kentucky instead because different people that I visit, they're, they're, they're in hot spots evidently with this COVID. Yeah. Stuff. So, I have I haven't got to do that as much, but I did get to fly once, and I people were like, "I can't believe you're getting on a plane." <clears throat> excuse me, and I'm like,
0: "Excuse me, I got a little bit of COVID myself." Yeah, <laughs> excuse me, uh,
1: excuse me. <laughs> um, they,
0: yeah, uh, you got you might have just you might just have a minor case of the COVID right now. Just I could, or I could, have, and people listening to your podcast can actually get the COVID from your podcast. Did oh, you know that?
1: Well, the ones listening to it, we're just going to tell them we have masks on.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh, we definitely have masks on. But you can electronically transmit the virus to podcast listeners.
1: Yes, you probably probably can.
0: (laughs) You're infecting people right now.
1: I I am. I am. I am. I'm infecting them with my humor. I'm infecting them with my laughter. That's what I infect people with.
0: (laughs) There you go. Yeah, well, your computer's had a virus before, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to. Yeah. I have to, have to triple. I have to like triple, uh, code it with like three different antiviruses. Very, I'm very paranoid. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Well, uh, the the virus thing has definitely taken a toll on everything. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But uh, I've been flying a lot, both on the airlines and little airplanes. So uh, I haven't had any problems. I don't. I don't do masks or gloves. I don't actually believe in the virus as a as a thing it is it is an actual virus in my opinion right but it's not near as as deadly as as what was once proclaimed and uh, I have never worn a mask or gloves or actually it's been several years since I've washed my hands so
1: (laughs) I can't say that I have not I'm allergic to Lysol and all those disinfectants and stuff I use like stuff so I have not Lysol anything down the whole time um I I wear a mask if I want to go into a place that requires a mask. If it's my yeah. place, or I just don't go into it. So there's a few places that I'm like, I'm not ever going into your place because you're kind of masked Nazis. But yeah. I don't. I I too believe that we're smart enough. And I was before we got here. I was listening to a girl who deals with HIV patients, and she was yeah. on uh, Z Dog. And she was like, I believe that masks are important, but that's something that you could wear at any time, at any time during every, it's, I mean, it does help spread, but why would you want to? But she said, we have to quit yelling at people and telling people that they're gonna kill people by not wearing a mask. That never has ever, ever, ever been the right way. It was like telling gay people back when HIV came out, you guys can never have sex again. You guys are killing people all gay people are yeah. bad and you really, it, it wasn't positive. So I don't think yeah. the COVID stuff has been done correctly when they no. tried to use fear and then people who are fearful use it as a defense to be able to, I, I, I that I don't know. Cause I'm not a feared person. So.
0: <laughs> I, yep. I, I, yep. I, I, well, I've been going around this whole time trying to catch the virus. <laughs> i I'd like to have it just to get it over with. So if anybody, if anybody can infect me, I'll I'll take it. I, I'd like to go ahead and get the virus and get it over with so I can press on.
1: At one but of my friends. I, seriously, what I've am I? I've been going
0: around licking doorknobs. I've been <laughs> shaking hands and licking doorknobs well, every the, place I can go, hoping to catch the virus.
1: Are you picking up the gum off the ground,
0: chewing the gum? I've been off doing everything. <laughs> I've been kissing dogs, chewing used gum, licking doorknobs, everything I can think of to try to catch this virus, and I haven't been able to get it yet.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe you already had it and you were asymptomatic.
0: That could be. I mean, it could be. It might be B symptomatic or C symptomatic. I'd (laughs) hope that I was asymptomatic, but (laughs) I've never done very much that achieved me an A.
1: A. Maybe A minus symptomatic, B plus symptomatic. (laughs)
0: A B plus. I'm just an average guy. I'm just average. <laughs> I hope for average. Mediocrity is my goal. <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to achieve mediocrity eventually, but eventually. so far I haven't even, yes.
1: <laughs> so you're more at the D plus. Symptoms.
0: I'm have D plus. Yeah.
1: D plus. But I try harder. You try. Well, I mean, you got goals. You got something cheap. Once you get all the way up to A plus, where do you go?
0: Uh, no, I'm never making A plus. If I can achieve average, that would be spectacular.
1: <laughs> now I like to be I like to be a little bit above average. Um, but sometimes average is really low, so that doesn't really.
0: Yeah. I'm one of those guys that brings down the average.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> You're... the average is the average, right? Right. Yeah, the average is take a bunch of samples, and at you, you average it. So I'm in that pool. I just bring the average down is what I do, are like you, way down.
1: Are you the one where the teacher takes off the highest score and the lowest score? They have to take your yeah. low score off?
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> My, mine's the one that gets thrown out. That's what I contribute to the team right there. <laughs> Say, hey, I'll take this test. I'll take it. I'm going to be the low guy here.
1: I'll, do, I'll take it for the team.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'll take one from the team here. It's easy. I ex- I excel at that. I, c- I can fail a test without any preparation. It's easy.
1: <laughs> you know, even if you went down all the way, sometimes people answer C and they still come out with like a B. You're like, how did you do yeah. it? I just guessed. How? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it. Oh, my. One of the things Ugh. that I noticed on your Facebook is – in was it in Georgia? You had said there's 15 fatalities in 15 days in September. I don't really know too much about airplanes and stuff like that. Those were are those like the small airplanes that you were talking about, like the one and well,
0: that's what we call that's that's general aviation. That's everything except the big boys. So that's little airplanes, and that's not Georgia. That's okay. that's in the continental United States.
1: Okay, all right, so, good.
0: Right. <laughs> Yeah, the NTSB keeps track of that data and historically 14 fatal plane crashes per month was considered a, a peak. That's that's one every two days in a month was very high. Uh, we've gone months as little as 10 fatal accidents per month on occasion, but in the month of September, the first 15 days of September, we had 15 fatal airplane crashes in the first 15 days of September. We're batting a thousand. We're, we're if at that rate, we'd have 30 fatal airplane crashes in 30 days. So the, for whatever's causing the trend, we are, and, and for every fatal airplane crash, you've got at least one person, sometimes two or three or four, you know, in, in September, we lost uh, several airplanes that had a complete family on board. Everybody died. So, <laughs> Some, some crazy stuff there. But yeah, I've been tracking that stuff. That's been kind of a hobby passion of mine, getting some of that stuff changed and developing some new programs. I'm trying to get the little airplane drivers to copy what the big people did many years ago in developing a program, a safety program where they actually came up with a good idea and it actually worked for the airlines and the same philosophy is still available to the little airplane people if they will adopt it on a voluntary basis. So that's, that's, that's what I'm working on next. And uh, we've already done quite a few videos and I got quite a few free, it's, it's all free. There's no, there's no cost to anybody to participate, but I've done all the research. And basically the concept is that I go through and figure out what are the common ways to kill yourself in an airplane And I developed a training scenario for each one of those so a person could go out and practice and get good at not getting killed in that particular scenario. And as it turns out, there aren't any new ways of killing yourself in a little airplane. They're always one of the same 18 methods. Right. So I printed those 18 methods and made a, a free 40 page PDF explaining each. And I know it sounds morbid to talk about, but, Each method of killing yourself in an airplane, here's how the guy died. Here's what he did wrong. And guess what? The next airplane accident that you hear about that's going to occur tomorrow, that guy will kill himself using one of those 18. Right. So the the idea is why not learn about the 18 and read about them and go out and practice and kind of bulletproof yourself knowing what's about to happen to you.
1: Yeah. Like, so I always say um, to to be proactive as opposed to being reactive it's yes. like so if, if this is if this is known then you're not it's, I mean it does sound like you don't want to kill yourself this way, but if you need to know like if there was something you could have done differently, you probably should know it before you get into that situation
0: Yes, it and really is what's really interesting is you with uh you kim in topeka you are a member of the human race no matter what you believe politically religiously anything else your brain is specifically wired a certain way and i can tell you exactly how it's wired because it's wired the exact same way that every other human being's brain is wired in this particular regard. Right. And that has to do with what your reactions are during time of crisis. Doesn't matter who you are or what color your hair is or how you paint your toenails. If I put you in this situation and you're not expecting it, this is how you're going to respond. No doubt about it. Right. The difference is, if you become aware of that and get trained, you, you can actually train your body to react the opposite way and do the correct thing. So all these people that die in an airplane, the first time they encounter this scenario, they do what feels natural to them, and it's the wrong thing. And within three seconds, it's over, and it's not fixable. So the point is to educate more people about that scenario and how to train yourself within an hour or two, you can go out and practice and unteach your body right. to do it the wrong the wrong way. You can actually condition yourself to respond the correct way, but you have to read about it, know about it, and go practice it. So just the same way uh, Pavlov's dogs were trained, we Pavlov dog trained the pilots. To, to do it the correct way. And that's that's what I'm working on right now.
1: Well, and the small, like when, so you go out and like, I'm going to get a plane and a pilot's, li- pilot's license just to fly to St. Louis for dinner or do something like that. They don't get in like the simulators, but there are simulators, like when you're in the military and stuff, don't those simulators kind of give you all the different things that could happen? Like are there, I, I don't, I, I mean, I watch TV, so I don't know if it's really there. But to be able to fly, they'd be like, okay, so this happens, and now the gas went down, or the fuel is doing this, and so they they, they teach them what they're supposed to do. Is that real, or is that just television? I, I, I don't know.
0: No, the simulators do, do a good job. It's just that the simulators aren't available for the little guys. Absolutely, yeah. So we use, we use the real airplane as a simulator, right. and we go out and actually practice. So. We can achieve the same result even without simulators. Simulators are more of a financial tool. Right. We could do the same training basically in an airplane. If you wanted to take a Boeing 747 out and train pilots in it, you could. But the gas cost and the maintenance costs far exceed. You could pay for 10 simulators within – 10 days of flying the actual 747 so simulators are, are a financial tool for the large companies but we can achieve the same effect with the actual airplane with our little guys right and so that's why it's down to an educational process and me speaking to groups and going on chemology 411 <laughs> podcasts that's right to try to encourage people to i mean it's like the saying with the I didn't invent the chicken sandwich. I just invented the chicken right. or maybe it's the other way around. We didn't invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich. Right. That's what uh, uh, Chick-fil-A says. I didn't invent how your brain works. I'm right. just telling you that's how it works. That, uh, there, there's no debating. That's what you're going to do. Now let's recognizing, recognizing that that is the deal. Let's take that information and use it to our advantage so that we don't die in the airplane. It's really simple, and I think it's worth the effort. I mean, we're talking about whether you live or die. If you fly an airplane, you're probably going to die in this deal if you don't know about it. Why would you not? Want, it's not like I'm charging a million dollars for this information. Right. It's free. Yeah. It's totally free. Why, why would you not at least want to read about it and know about it?
1: Well, and, and one of the things – like I work with uh, manifesting and um, I've got actually a business and a life coach and, and we always talk about retraining your brain because your brain basically has, it's, it knows what it knows and it also kind of makes things up and that you're, you have to repeatedly tell your brain, no, you know, I like to use this, no, do this, no, do that. And your brain actually will change on how you, how you maneuver things. I mean, it's like driving in a car, you know, I'm not ever going to try to drive in rush hour traffic in like Dallas. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm. I could, but my my level of stress would be up here. But people that are down there have learned how to drive. I mean, you have to learn how to do the different stuff, like driving around or the, the traffic or cutting in and out, not using a blinker. I use a blinker and people, when I'm down in Kansas City, just get over. I'm like, you're that blinkers taken. I'm like, but I need to use my blinker. Well, they don't use it. So you do it. You do, you can become comfortable, but if you don't take the time to do it, then no, you're not going to do it. And like you said, you could possibly potentially kill yourself and everyone on the plane. Um, so, are there any, are there any plane, like, any crashes that you, like, I was, I was, I just loved John F. Kennedy. Like, I wrote papers on John F. Kennedy. I don't know why. I was just infatuated. Then I went down to Dallas, and it's just, he's just one of those things. Is there, like, a plane crash or something that really just got your attention that does you kind of, like, OCD'd about that you were like, I got to look into and figure this out? Or is that something that you do when you hear something like, like Kobe, like Kobe died in a plane crash? Is that something that you kind of like go in and try to do your own little research? Or do you just come sit back and let the people tell you what's going on?
0: Well, it's turned into a, a hobby a slant amateur investigator deal. It started with a, a plane crash. Fifteen years ago, where I lost a uh, a student of mine, a young man that died in an airplane, and same thing he he responded and it was my fault. I had not ever trained him to overcome this phenomena because I'd never thought about it before, and he made a takeoff in his airplane, had an engine failure, and the airplane crashed and killed three people and That was kind of the catalyst that started the thought process. I mean I was just shocked that this could even happen. And then right after that, the internet happened. And I started becoming more and more aware of how many other people are doing the same thing. So it's, it's evolved over the last 15 years. And yes, I'm, I'm an amateur investigator. But now that I've taken it this far, I've put hundreds and hundreds of hours into this thing, trying to figure this stuff out. And last weekend, I was in Santa Monica, and I went to the Kobe Bryant crash site. And I stood in the spot where Kobe Bryant died, where the helicopter impacted the ground. And I went out there to see that spot to look at the data and figure that out. And uh, that's one of those things. I, I had to have some personal closure on that one myself. I wanted to see the shape of the crater made by that helicopter when Kobe Bryant's helicopter hit it. I wanted to see it. And i learned a tremendous amount off of that visit as well. But yeah, I've been to 50 crash sites and uh, any airplane that crashes in America, uh, I get a text normally within 10 or 15 minutes after the crash has happened. I'm all set up on an alert system. So I know where they are, who was flying what the end number was and what the conditions were at the time of the crash. So I track all that stuff. NTSB data takes years for it to come out My data comes out daily. I log this stuff. And most of the time, I won't say all the time, but most of the time, I've already reached my conclusion based on the information that I have. It's going to fit in one of those 18 buckets. And there's only four of those 18 that are super, super common. Just keeps happening over and over and over again. So, yeah, I can't. I can't say conclusively that this is what happened to the guy, but from the witness reports, the, the it's daytime. The weather's good. The witnesses saw him take off. They saw him get to three or 400 feet. They heard the engine quit and then they saw this airplane do a half a turn and the airplane impacted vertically into the ground. Well, I know which one that one was.
1: Right, right. Well, and see, and that's why you're a superstar because – A lot of people, but a lot of people, they just go on with their lives, and you are trying to help prevent things that could be preventable and taking the time. That's awesome.
0: We're trying, and I I don't have a YouTube channel, but I've commandeered myself onto about 12 other aviation YouTube channels, and I'm always a guest appearance on somebody else's stuff trying to get the the message out here because the government is not doing it for us. The government is not helping – to get the word out. They collect all the data, but they never reach a conclusion and there's never any recommendation. What could the next guy do to not do what this guy did? Uh, it's like the Kobe Bryant crash. We already know what he did. Why couldn't we put out a bulletin and say, here's what he did, make sure you don't do this because you killed nine people right. on this accident alone and this is totally preventable. Why don't? But you'll never hear a word out of these guys. They're gonna reach a conclusion eventually on what Kobe Bryant's helicopter deal was, but there won't be any change come out of it. It's going to be business as normal. Everybody is going to forget about Kobe and there won't be any positive change comes out of it.
1: Well, and that's that's a sad thing, but that's why we have people like you and there's a lot of other people in the world. Um, my, me, myself, when I see something, I don't just go to a meeting and go, man, we should really fix it. I just try to fix it. Like I try to like, yep. All right, let's get this done. Um, if somebody says something to me, I say, Oh, by the way, you could go over and talk to this person. Or if somebody says I, I have the connections cause I've always want to make it better. And yeah. uh, it's, it, it's, um, although you probably kind of take it as like a hobby because it's not like you're get you know, it's not like you're hired uh, to be paid billions of dollars to do this. It's the fact that you have a heart and you want to, people to love what you have been able to do for as long as you've been able to do it. And that doesn't happen right. if you're not trained correctly.
0: Well, the unique thing about this is, is that, I mean, there's all kinds of phenomena that occur out there. There's not very much I could do about the virus. You know, we just had a hurricane come through the Gulf. I can't fix a hurricane and there's going to be some death and destruction off of a hurricane. I know there is, I don't know anything that I can fix to change a hurricane. And the airplane thing, I know a lot about it. The ironic thing is that we could actually fix this. We could actually make a huge difference. Just like the airlines did, the airlines achieved an 87% reduction in fatal accidents by the program that they developed. General aviation, we really could Save a lot of lives, and that's the category that this is in. This project is fixable; it definitely is. Um, I'm I'm not much on all those other things, politics and the virus and stopping a hurricane. I got no idea. This is I'm passionate about it because I know we can do this without a doubt. We we can fix this.
1: Right. Well, and you know, there's some things you can't get fixed, but there are a lot of things that other people should be fixing that they're getting paid to be fixing these things, but they don't. And it takes people like us who are just like, you know what, never mind. You do you. I'm just going to do this on my own. Uh, and yeah, we we need more people in the world that'll step up and be like, I see how I see how I can make a change in something like this. And this is huge because. I believe, like, with the COVID, I – you know, um, are you – so you have the 15 fatalities, which is, like, double or whatever, of abnormal or – but do you believe that because of COVID, more people are taking their planes up more often because – or is it not no. – is it just the exact same?
0: No, it's, it's not anything – there's no, no significant increase in, in flying. It's just <sighs> – it's just pure, pure dumb luck, but uh, we we gotta fix this. And uh, I'm, it's really frustrating because the U.S. government is virtually doing nothing. They they collect so much money. the 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 salary and insurance benefit package for each one of these government workers is crazy money. Crazy. Three hundred and fifty full-time investigators for the ntsb just to investigate these crashes each one of them making 150 grand a year minimum plus insurance retirement and benefits and we don't ever see any benefit out of it i mean
1: can
0: you can you imagine just just putting one person on the payroll for 150 grand a year to do what
1: right to sit around in a lot of meetings back and forth yeah. Meet again.
0: <laughs> no, we're not. We're not fixing anything. So uh, I have a uh, love-hate relationship with the FAA and the NTSB, and that's mostly that they hate me, and I love to hate them, and it's completely mutual. I have I have no respect for those government organizations that are aware of the problem, and they're fat, dumb, and happy in their chairs. They're not going to lift a finger as long as they get their paycheck. They're good.
1: I found that out during the COVID stuff. So many people have big voices and big opinions, but yet didn't lose $1 of their salary, but they have no, no problem shutting everything down and taking away people's livelihoods and then telling yeah. people, you know what? You need to do this to be safe. It, it's in it's an everything where people don't even, they don't even stop and think. They don't even stop and think what they're saying or doing when it comes yeah. to opening their mouth and giving their opinion and telling someone who's about to close down and lose everything and lose their house and as they're yeah. making, you know, tons of money and they're trying to tell me or uh, my clients and stuff how how it should be, uh, that really, that kind of irritates me and I deal with a lot of different, different organizations, it's not so much government yeah. but they're political, who yeah. are supposed to be doing a job and I'm doing their job for free and they don't like me. Yeah because i'm showing yeah. them up and you, you, you you're trying to be a good person and these people are trying to tear you down and um it's not easy so you have to have thick skin and you have to be you know you have to get your own podcast so that you can yeah
0: be like, well that's how come i like i'm in your podcast i'm out here to publicly say i don't care much for the government mm-hmm. i don't care much for how they've handled the virus i don't care much for how they handle plane crashes and uh uh some of that some of that needs to change i mean yeah. it, it really needs, needs to change but you need to change. i'm doing everything i can do uh i don't really care what people say about me uh, i got thick skin you can call me whatever you want to call me that's fine or just don't call me that's fine too <laughs>
1: i'm i'm kind of the exact same way i think as i get older it, i i i people think that i'm tough and i'm not all that tough it does hurt my feelings sometimes when people don't see my vision because I know that I'm right and that they're wrong. And I just don't know if I want to take the time to convince them, or do I care enough to convince them how wrong they are. I'm just going to continue doing what I do. So
0: yeah, just keep on doing what, what, what you're doing. But
1: so you have any, I I did, I did see your new boat. I thought that was really fancy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was out in Portland, uh, Maine, here a few days ago so uh i try to make funny posts like that wherever i can you know
1: that was that was hilarious because i could have taken it a little bit more because you're i mean it, and anybody that doesn't know it was just like a, it was just basically a destroyed old old boat that was ever and you know he's joking around about it. oh it just has a little bit of damage and there's just no way <laughs> he's like getting ready to sail the world in it in this time Humor is so important. There are people out there that would probably make laughter
0: illegal. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know the funny thing is, almost every one of those you know, I'm not a social media influencer. I've got, you know, lots of airplane people on Facebook that, that follow me, but off of off any one of those posts, I'll always get three or four private messages and they're serious. They will always they will always Tell me where I'm in error. Like on that boat, I got two private messages. Just that told me that that boat was not seaworthy. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> you you want to take the time to send me a private message to tell me that you're a boat person and that you don't think that that, that boat is exactly <laughs> <it's> <laughs> too, seaworthy? <laughs> I don't think about getting the letter from president Trump, you know, it's one of those sales things. And I posted this letter about getting a, a letter from Trump. I got so much hate mail over, over that. And I'm like, I'm kidding. I know what it is. It's not a personal and confidential letter from Donald Trump. It's not, I'm just kidding.
1: Well, did you and see you
0: know,
1: that? Yeah, I did. I, Here's the thing. I, I started my podcast so that I could just be Kim and be who I want because I have put myself on Facebook. I, my coach told me I had to be vulnerable one time and after 350 comments and most of them were attacking me and telling me how horrible I was just because I didn't think people needed to wear a mask outside at the at the farmer's market as long as they social distance, which by the way, our commissioners right. cited for me. Right. But I was just brutally attacked on there And it didn't bother me so much as it did give me a list of people to unfollow. Like, and I don't want, I want to hide my post from because I don't believe I should be attacked.
0: Yeah, oh yeah.
1: But my podcast is if you listen to an hour of me talking and you have a comment, you know what, you can have that comment. But if you take three minutes to read what I put on Facebook, interpret it your way and then think you can just attack me then you're, you're, you are wrong that that's, I, I don't want that. So I started the podcast. So now I can just talk freely. Yep. And no, none of my non-fans are going to take the time to listen. And we have over, um, let's see, we have 80, 80. So we have like over 120 hours worth of podcasts. If you're listening to 120 and you hate me, I, I don't mind. Like yeah. <laughs> just keep listening to my podcast because yeah. we're almost up to my thousand and I, that's all I want is my thousand. And the other week I had like a hundred and some people. We have 25 different States, five different countries that listen to this podcast. It's, and somebody has to enjoy it because they keep coming back to listen to it. So I like to bring people like yeah. people. I mean, it's totally different. It's, you know, I know nothing about airplane except for the fact that I like a window seat and, uh, I enjoy my ginger ale, which it's water now, but ginger yep. ale, and I just pray that I get um, two snacks because some, some of those stewardess will give you two. There
0: you go. <laughs> well, here's some information for your listeners on the podcast the, uh, 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 concerning social distancing. You might not know this, but six foot is the number. They always say six foot. I view that as a maximum, not a minimum. So I try to stay within six feet of people.
1: Feet.
0: <laughs> it's all no matter how you think about it. But all they said was six feet. They yeah. said maintain six feet. I think that's stay within six feet. Six feet. So right. I try to bump, I try to run up to people that I don't know and hug them. And if they freak out, I just say I'm social distancing. I'm, I'm staying within distancing. six feet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and I always, when now, they have- they would say stay away from people and I was like so I can't just walk up to people in Walmart and hug them anymore I mean come on people <laughs> like what yeah, are you doing? That's, like my, that's my hobby I love just to walk up and just hug random people or actually even get close to them like I've always just I don't want to be close to them although I'm, I'm, I'm missing my concert I had Elton John tickets this year to go see Elton John oh, they moved yeah. it to 2021 and I'm like those were expensive tickets and so I'm yeah. still waiting to hear when we're going to be legal to do it. Maybe yeah. they'll maybe they'll have like computers sitting in all the seats at the Sprint Center and then you'll log in on yeah. your seat number and you can watch it from your computer, from your seat. I yeah. It'd
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, be we're cool. In, we're be... in a
1: crazy time.
0: <laughs> we are.
1: Well, thank you so much. We are. Um, for everything i am going to um when i when i say goodbye don't leave because um, okay. i still talk to you afterwards because sometimes they just click off and i'm like oh i didn't really get to say thank you uh um, yeah i
0: need to uh, i need to get you my invoice for this
1: yes yes if you could just bill my if you just bill my secretary she'll get it to you
0: <laughs> or i could bill brooks if you want Bill
1: brooks yes bill brooks
0: i'll yes. do that <laughs> we we just won't tell him we'll we'll He'll probably pay it.
1: <laughs> yeah, just send an invoice for Chemology four one one and he'll just be like, I mean, they know you, so they'll just pay you, I'm
0: sure. They'll just they'll just pay it, I'm sure. That's fine. This That's is fine. yeah,
1: it, it 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 you know, my normal charge to do podcasts are ten thousand dollars. So
0: Exactly. Hey, you know what? I think I think we just colluded. <laughs> oh my God. This is this is how collusion works. Right, and that's we just colluded
1: collusion.
0: past tense we did the act of colluding now we have colluded and that is the act of collusion right. collusion is a big deal uh, you know they said that Trump collu- colluded and was colluding. guilty of collusion so this is how you do it we just, we just colluded for me to invoice you for a podcast and charge it to someone else that is collusion right. I think you should get turned into the podcast monitors or something <laughs> Whoever does this stuff, but we gotta be—we gotta be guilty of something, there's right?
1: Gotta be, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a, a, a governmental agency that pays $150,000 a year monitoring yes. collusions during the podcasts.
0: Uh, Collusion—it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I mean, they—they they almost got Trump—Trump Trump on it. Uh, you and me are probably fixing to get hung on this thing.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I, I, if you I, publish
0: this podcast, uh, you. And you instigated. You're you're a collusion instigator, which is a more serious penalty. I'm just a. I just went along with it. Collusion bystander. I'm an innocent bystander.
1: (laughs) Well, I can tell you that our our podcast, the second state that was was Virginia. We have over four percent of our people live in Virginia, so we do figure that the DC people listen to our podcast because we have coronavirus ones. And COVID in our podcast uh, with Tyson, yep. and so they are listening yep. to us. And I'm like, I'm like, first of all, this is chemology. There's no science degree or anything. This is strictly my opinion. I am not spreading yep. anything. This is my opinion. Anybody listening to my podcast would know I'm an accountant and not yep. a doctor. But I thought it was kind of funny that DC um, is they're listening to this podcast. So
0: we're probably yeah, they they probably about- they probably are. <laughs> Yeah, well. I bet you, I bet you Biden's listening to this one.
1: <laughs> well.
0: <laughs> most, most likely. Yeah, I get the feeling that I'm being watched.
1: Being watched.
0: I, I think I I think I might be I think they're I think they're watching. I'm suffering from some paranoia and uh I'm thinking that they might be watching me.
1: Might be watching. But- I I um I have I have been actually suffering. I I suffer from um, um, fearlessness, which makes people really mad when they try to make me scared, and I'm just kind of like I'm not going to be scared of that. The life that I've led, yeah. this is nothing compared to it. I am coming up yeah. with um, some speaking engagements uh, with a couple different people, and one of them is called Resurviving, and it's helping people who are actually. Um, in rehab or um, from special abuse and all the different things that actually have come back and now they're having to resurvive to get back over it, a lot of people. I am going to be talking to people about that because being a survivor of domestic violence, it was very hard when someone told me, "Um, you just need to stay home. If you're not going to wear a mask, you need to stay home. And I was like, okay, now you sound like my ex-husband telling me to stay yeah. home and i'm not going to like you're not telling me the right thing here because yeah i worked really hard to say no and so
0: yep um, we agree
1: we're in it we're in a whole thanks for having place. me on Yep. I
0: well
1: yeah yep. well you guys thank you so much for listening to another superstar segment of kimology 411 and as i leave you right now i'm going to keep telling you to take all of your adventures and i'll talk to you soon bye-bye